Welcome to our newest episode of the Public Health Networker. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about adolescent health and reproductive health with our guest, Meredith Talford of Fact Forward. Let's tell you a little bit about Fact Forward before we begin. Their vision is to envision a world where all youth and young adults have the opportunity of a healthy, bright, self-determined future. Their mission is to promote the optimal health and well-being of individuals, families, and communities in South Carolina and beyond by advancing sexual and reproductive health for all youth and young adults. So we're going to be having a wonderful conversation today with Meredith Telford. She's going to be sharing her background with us in public health, where she did receive her master's in the field, and then how she got involved in the field of reproductive health in South Carolina. We also hear about Fact Forward's upcoming Summer Institute, and we are very excited to feature their event. Their call for proposals is currently out too at factforward.org. If you have a topic on reproductive health or adolescent health, uh, take a look at their Summer Institute. Submit your proposals. Fact Forward again is at factforward.org. And here at the Public Health Media Network, I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. To learn more about us, we have a newsletter, phpn.substack.com, or visit our website at publichealthpodcasters.com. Hello, and welcome to the Public Health Networker. Welcome to today's special episode. We are speaking with Meredith Telford. She's a grant professional, and she is the Director of Strategy, Innovation, and Communications at Fact Forward. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. We're really excited that you've joined us again this year to share about Fact Forward. And today we also want to learn more about you. So tell us a little bit about you and your background in public health. I am a Southern girl. I'm from South Carolina. Um, I went to college for social work and that was not my intention when I got to college. I was one of those folks who just didn't know what they wanted to do. I was um, raised by an educator, so I assumed I would be an educator as well, and that just wasn't what I decided to do. I thoroughly enjoyed social work. Um, I went to Bennett College for Women in Greensboro, North Carolina, and just fell in love with it. Um, But by the end, I was very clear that I didn't want to be a social worker, but I still wanted to do some type of social impact community work. I was introduced to public health by a visiting professor from the University of Pittsburgh, and when he just talked about and compared social work to public health, I said, that's it. He said, with social work, you're helping one-on-one or small groups or families, and with public health, you are really influencing, shaping, and contributing to communities, and I said, that's what I want to do, so I went to Mercer University and got a master's in public health, and that was it. No, I would argue that all of that was public health, right? When you care for <laughs> right, and you want to serve. Because I started off as a social worker in HIV, in uh, AIDS. And at the time, it was folks who were already living with HIV. So that was public health. And so I just went to the prevention side and eventually became an HIV AIDS health educator versus a social worker for the state before I came to work for nonprofits. It's one of my best experiences when you're closest to the mission of things. I do enjoy um, working for nonprofits and with other nonprofits. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's just, it's not as much red tape sometimes when you work for government and you can kind of um, still be ethical but you can really meet folks where they are a little easier when you don't have to go through so much red tape. 
to just get things done. I can see this connection. So working in HIV and then moving into mm-hmm. Factor Forward uh, is really interesting. Tell us about your interest in reproductive health and how that connected from HIV into working with Fact Forward. So at the time, um, you know, we're, our language has evolved so much over the last 10 years, which, you know, at Fact Forward, we try to stay, you know, with the trend and the best practice. But back, I say back then, it was what, 12, 13 years ago, you know, we were talking a lot about risk factors and behaviors. And at the time, when you looked at being at risk for HIV and being at risk for an unplanned pregnancy, they overlapped. So the behavior sometimes overlapped. And when we looked at the HIV curricula, the majority of the teen pregnancy prevention curricula that were out were created back in the 80s and 90s in response to the HIV epidemic. So it just, it was a very easy transition, as I'll share later when we talk about Fact Forward. You know, I went from working in the community with adults and young people around prevention to Fact Forward, where we did not work with young people at all. And I was providing technical assistance directly to basically who I was at my former job. And I think it made the transition easy because once you've been in the community and you've done the work, I knew what I needed. So I knew who, what, I knew what community organizations needed to get this work done. I knew what other health departments needed because I had been there. And I think my superpower at the time when I shifted to Fact Forward, because I started as a technical assistance provider, my superpower was being relatable because I knew what the barriers were. I knew how to talk to parents. I knew what the barriers were with reaching young people because we gathered differently than we did back in the 80s and 90s, you know, coming into the digital age. So that was my superpower. So it was an easy transition. And I think that really helped me a lot at that particular time. I worked on a wonderful project. It was actually historic because at the time President Obama was in office and he was the first president to actually earmark federal funding specifically for adolescent reproductive health. In fact, Ford was one of the first agencies to get that funding back in 2010. And so Working on that project with the CDC and the office at the time, it was the Office of Adolescent Health, but it's now OPA, Office of Population Affairs, and HTN, and all these great organizations across the country really shaped my approach to working with grassroots organizations to make sure all young people have access to that high quality age-appropriate, medically accurate, culturally sensitive information when it comes to adolescent reproductive and sexual health. Can you tell us a little bit more about adolescent and reproductive health? How did you become interested in this topic? What what really stands out to you? What are you passionate about in this field? We forget that we were teens, you know, and so we forget what it's like. I had several people that I loved become young parents, and I look at what was being offered, and there were points in time where I realized that at the time, what was being offered as far as education was not going to prevent them from becoming pregnant right? It was, it was the education wasn't the thing. Education was key. My passion, you know, like I said, I haven't worked directly with young people in years. I keep them in mind and I, they're at the center and I, oh, you know, my colleagues hate when I say this, but one of my favorite lines is I'm employed by Fact Forward, but I work for the children of South Carolina. 
and now North Carolina, because I'll share share with you all exciting of announcement that we have, but I work for those folks. And so I keep them in mind when we are making decisions. I keep their parents in mind. I keep the community in mind because with the digital age and with anybody literally having the ability to put anything in a book and online without having credible sources, without it being accurate, without it being tested, People depend on us to give them accurate information and information that is informed by data, but we're also responsible for looking at that data and making sure that it is actually giving a um, giving the true story. So we're conscious of not just taking the numbers and saying this is what they say, but it's trying to figure out what does this really mean for our young people, especially our young people in rural South Carolina, our marginalized youth, our youth who are um, usually left out of the conversation. Those are our homeless youth, our LGBTQAI youth, our young people who are um, in foster care or involved with the um, uh, we call it the Department of Juvenile Justice. We are very mindful that adolescence looks very different depending on what their what their zero through five looked like and what five through 13 looked like. And so um, I'm passionate about just making sure that the folks who get in front of young people are comfortable, they're competent, and they have what they need to give our children the best because they deserve it. Thank you. That's beautiful. And I like the way that you described it, that you work for Fact Forward, but you also work for the children of yes. South Carolina. You told us a little bit about how you got started at Fact Forward, but tell us a little bit more about your current role. This is a really exciting title, Director of Strategy, Innovation, and Communication. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this current role. Oh, yeah. So what's interesting is when you've been there for so long, you just kind of are like, okay, what needs to get done? And we have some brilliant people on our staff. We have some really smart folks on our staff. And we really sit back to see what the strengths are. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm a grant professional. And so my responsibility is to see where the funding is and to see if it's appropriate for us to apply, what those relationships can look like. My responsibility is just making sure we're communicating with the public all of the great things that we're doing and that you can find us and that you have access to us. And then the other part of my job is to sit back to see what is happening in the world, right? And what is happening in the field? And is that impacting our young people? And if so, we need to figure out how we align with that. When folks visit our website, they will see our brand new core values. And our first core value was, even though we don't work directly with young people, we want to make sure we center young people and young adults' voices. You know, that's my role is to just be out and looking and listening and reading and working with our other directors who've been in this field for either much longer than I have or just long. And we all bring some unique things to the table. Like I said, we have a dynamic staff and listening to them so we can really do the best for the young people right now you know, and what they're experiencing and making sure it aligns with other social determinants of health. We want to make sure that we aren't working against each other, that we're working with our partners, that our young people grow into the adults that they want to be. But that's kind of my job. It's fun. I get to talk to people like you. So, you know, I get to say, hey, y'all, I think we need to be on some podcasts. And they're like, okay, let's make that happen. And when I say, I think we need to partner with these people. And so again, thank you for our partnership because it's really gotten us in front of some folks who would have never 
thought to find us or to look for us. So yeah. I love <laughs> the work that you're doing. I love the mission of the organization. And I'm really grateful that you connected with us. I'm really glad that we've been able to amplify the mission and the work. And the other thing about Fact Forward is that we're 30 years old next year. So we're super excited. And we're super excited about going into our 30th year announcing that we were recently funded to move into North Carolina. So that's a huge deal for us that we're, you know, right now the tagline is we're taking the facts to North Carolina. We'll have a conference in the spring shortly before our summer institute that we normally have in June. And so we're really trying to make sure that advancing not just reproductive health, but adolescent health in general is still at the forefront of public health. And I don't want to say it's an issue, public health concerns or public health topics. We don't want this population to get lost. And so we're excited that the government in North Carolina, say North Carolina, trusted us and believed in us. And um, we're excited to go across the state line and start working there. But in all of that information is on our website and all of our, all of our social media, because we want everyone to know about it. Congratulations. I'm so glad to hear that it's expanding. The work that you're doing is moving also into North Carolina. What do people need to know about reproductive health that it's just not out there enough. What do they need to know? I think folks need to know about reproductive health is that it's everywhere. Like it's with you at every stage of life. We just happen to focus on it in adolescence. A lot of people wanting to make reproductive health a political conversation. Our role is to make sure that the science and that the humanity and that the public health aspect of it remains intact. We think it's very important that young people know about their body. The same way you're going to teach them about their cardiovascular system, the same way you teach them about their nervous system, every person should know about their reproductive health. And then we take it a step further and acknowledging gender and acknowledging sex and just making sure that every person, no matter how they identify, whether it's with the sex sign at birth or not, has access, they deserve to have access to healthcare that is tailored to them and the needs of their body. And so we want to make sure that young people feel safe when they're having these conversations. And one of the things that we do is that we try to go into the community and we have these things called regional roundtables, or we'll do a road show where we get out and we just go out into the community. And the reality is when we talk to adults who show up to these events and we ask them, what messaging did you get about your reproductive health? The stories that we get back are, it's bittersweet because number one, thank you so much for trusting us with the story that you told. But a lot of it, when we say it back to them and they hear, they hear the shame, they hear the misinformation, they hear all of the things that they're like, and then we're like, it's no judgment because our parents do and our, our trusted adults and our loved ones do the very best they can. But then we say, what if there was an organization like Fact Forward who could just give you the fact, give you the science, give you, this is how a vagina, this is what a vagina does. And this is what a person with a penis and some people have neither and some people have both, but this is what, what happens to your body during a pregnancy. This is what happens when you ovulate. This is what puberty is like. What is wrong with having that conversation? There is no morality attached to it. There shouldn't be any shame attached to it. It should just be, this is what this does. And I think when you can have those conversations 
as young as possible, teaching children the proper names of their bodies. When you empower them and give them the autonomy to know, and when we talk about consent and being able to speak on behalf of their body um, without any shame, we will see a difference and we will see a change, but it takes all of us to be on the same page. And I think through education, through advocacy, through the research that we've done, we've created some wonderful curricula that we hope to take to the market in the next couple of years. We hope to see a shift in the ideals around reproductive. And we add in and sexual health because a lot of people don't want us to say sexual, but it's also a conversation that is being had whether we want to have it or not. And so I can use my beautiful 14-year-old cousin as an example. He can log on to the TV, the radio, YouTube, his games at any time and see sexual imagery at any time, right? And so I feel like my job, as he has identified me as his person, to just make sure he just knows what to do with whatever he's seeing, whether it's uncomfortable to ask my mom or my dad or his big cousin, or he knows where to go to look up information. He knows if his friends ask him questions, how to tell them, hey, you should probably talk to your mom, or if he knows the answer, how to answer it correctly. Everyone thinks that we are only preaching, you know, pills, patches, shots. Reproductive health is so much more than that. And once we all are on, you know, I won't even say the same page. If we could just be on similar pages, we're all after the same goal here, which is healthy adolescence. That is what we all want. And, and that's what we all, I think we all should want is a healthy adolescent. And that's our goal here at Fact Forward is to make sure that young people just have the opportunity to become their healthy, bright, self-determined self. This information is so important. And as you mentioned, hearing that back, hearing the stories, it's just like, there's so much that we've been so embarrassed to talk about. And so thank you for your organization. We do need more sexual health education out there for all ages. Right, because from the HIV world, I remember when there was a spike in seniors becoming infected and there was this thing of, I can't get pregnant, so I don't need to use protection. But STI rates and HIV rates were going up and people were confused. A behavior, a risky behavior is happening. It doesn't matter who's doing it. It's a risky behavior. And so there's a risk to get infected. And so if we look at the behavior and not the people, but we, of course, you can't separate the two. We can encourage a lot of the tough conversation that we mm -hmm. avoid. So tell us a little bit about the upcoming event the Summer Institute. Yes. So I'm excited to talk about Summer Institute. You know, we like to think it's one of the best conferences in the country that focus on adolescent health. We'll be celebrating 30 years as an organization next year, but next year is the 25th annual Summer Institute. So we've been doing this for a long time. We are headed back to North Charleston, South Carolina, which is always exciting. People love Charleston. We are now in the midst of our call for proposals and our early registration. And Summer Institute is a good time. And it's a good time for several reasons. So I'll start with on the professional end. Sometimes because depending on where you work, professional development just falls through the crack. And I always tell people, you know, you want your doctors to go to conferences and learn the latest and the greatest. You want your accountant to go. You want every other professional to go and be on top of what's happening in their field. 
social workers, school nurses, community health workers, and youth serving professionals should have the same opportunity. And Summer Institute provides that. Next year, it is June 11th through the 13th. And it is packed with opportunities to hear experts from the field talk about what's happening what trends are happening. We usually have, we have not announced our keynote speaker yet. So you all have to follow our social media or subscribe to our newsletter to be the first to know about our keynote. But we try to create a space where people leave with tangible skills and strategies to take back to their community. We love for people to leave just revived and recharged to go back to their community because our field comes with a lot of burnout. There are cuts here and changes there. And we like Summer Institute to be that place where you can come and network and connect with your colleagues from across the nation. We've actually had some folks from Guam come. We want people to come and feel like, yes, this was worth my time, but also something I learned here I'm taking home and I can use this. And at Summer Institute, we really try to secure speakers who leave you with something that will have a ripple effect until you come back next year. We have a good time. We usually have a networking reception because we do acknowledge that people just need to talk to each other. You know, email is one thing. We love it. We're digital. I love that I can talk to you. But one day I do hope to just meet you and we can sit down and have a cup of coffee and just talk about what's happening. It's just still that connection. We usually have great vendors. We have folk and exhibitors that bring the latest and the greatest, whether it's a resource or whether it's a product. So we have those and we have time for folks to talk to us. A lot of folks who do come are local and they just want to talk to us and see what's new. And so, yeah, we try to create a space where people leave Summer Institute feeling excited about the work. That's what we It does sound exciting. And congratulations on the 25th annual event. Yes. Tell us how we can register. How can we learn more about Fact Forward? How can we get in contact with you, register for the Institute, all of that? So to get in contact with me, my email is m. T-A-L-F-O-R-D at factforward.org. I'll share that with you to put in the show notes, but you can email me. I am, um, I love to talk to people. And even if it's just to brainstorm, to talk, even if it's just to connect, I love to do that. That I think that's what keeps me fresh. I think that's what keeps all of us fresh is connecting. So please reach out. But Summer Institute, our website is easy. It's factforward.org. Everything about Summer Institute is there. All of the registration, the location, the call for proposals. Please, if you have something exciting happening that you think the rest of the field needs to know about, we would love for you to present. So the call for proposal is open. But if you just have questions about Summer Institute, email summerinstitute at factforward.org. And someone has recently emailed asking for a letter of justification so they could give it to their employer. So we're working on getting that up on the website. But also if you email the Summer Institute email or myself, we can send that directly to you. It's up on our website. Even when you just go to our website, the first banner you see will be about Summer Institute. So you don't have to look for it. But we do encourage you to play around with our website as well, just to see what's on there. I'm constantly updating things. All of our social media is very easy. It's Fact Forward Org. So that's on Facebook. We would love for you to follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. Those are our three major major platform. Thank you. I'll be sure to include all of that information on the show note. And again, congratulations on the 25th annual 
Summer Institute. Meredith, you. it's been wonderful having this conversation with you and I look forward to continuing to connect with you and partner with you. Thank you again so much for joining us today. The Public Health Podcast and Media Network wishes you a wonderful holiday season for 2023 and all the best for 2024 ahead.